And this morning, I welcome you to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning service. I welcome those that are watching us on uh, the televisions or uh, laptops or whatever. Um, it's just wonderful to get together in the, with the family of God, wherever you may be. The title of my sermon this morning is simply Help. My text is Psalm 121. It's a very short psalm. It's only eight verses. But it's got an incredible promise from God. It is simple, and you'll find it easy to follow me because I simply follow the text. Verses 2, 3, 4, and on through 8. But it is a wonderful promise that God ha- gives us. And I'm, I'm thinking as, as I'm sitting there singing songs and trying to also gather my thoughts for this sermon... And if we only had the Bible, which consisted of Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, and nothing else existed, you would be left with an incredible promise of God, and you would get through this world and this existence in the most miraculous way, and you would be so blessed and so joyful if that's all we had. So... Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. Uh, please uh, turn there and uh, follow me as I, as I deliver God's message. For now, please pray with me as I generally do. I always look to Psalm 1914 to turn my thoughts over to God and to let him take over. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? You know, one of the most powerful words in the English language is the word help. It is the ultimate admission that a position of humility has been attained. You know, because it's only the humble, not the proud, only the broken, not the arrogant, that can dare to use this word. Help. It is the cry of a mother with four children, three dogs, two cats, and a parakeet. After a week with the children at home while the husband is away for a week in a business trip in Hawaii. Help. It is the cry of a college student who sits down to take his final exam and then realizes that he has studied the wrong chapters. Help. It is the cry of a man sitting at his kitchen table surrounded by a stack of bills with hungry children, an empty bank account, and no job in sight. Help. It is the cry of a woman who has poured her life into her home for 25 years, only to have the husband she adores walk in and say, I'm leaving. I've met someone else. I don't love you anymore. Help. It is the cry of a teenage boy whose self-esteem is found in a drug-induced stupor, whose best friends are a hypodermic needle and strong nostrils. Have you ever been in a position where you needed help? But more than that, 
Have you been in a position when the, where the only one who could possibly help you was God? And I want to say to you that if you are in a position where your only help and your only hope is God, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because you are exactly where God wants you to be. Now our text this morning, the psalmist, Psalm 121, he was in dire need of help. <clears throat> and evidently he was in such a position and predicament that there was no other place to turn but to God. And out of this experience, God taught the psalmist three lessons that he shares with us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Three lessons that I do not believe that psalmist ever forgot. And I'm going to give you these, those three truths this morning so that you can use to build an ark that will carry you through the stormy seas and the furious floods that you are undoubtedly destined to face in life. These are going to be times in your life when the only way out is up, when you're going to have to trust God, when, and you're going to have to rely on God because he is the only one that gives you hope. When you reach those times in life, and, I, and reach them you will, never forget these three truths. First truth to consider is, the Lord is our provider. He provides security, stability, and serenity. See, the psalmist had done what all of us tend to do when we're in trouble. He looked every place but the right place. He had tried everything but the right thing. He talked to many people, but they were not the right people. And he had found that everywhere he turned, it was a dead-end street. The answers, the answers to the problems that you face and I face and our homes face and our churches face and our leaders face are not going to be found in the hills of humanistic living nor in the halls of higher learning but in the heaven of a holy Lord. The prophet Jeremiah had already warned the nation. In Jeremiah 3.23 it states, Truly, in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly, in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. You know, we are all going to be shaken by the tremors of trials, troubles, and tribulations. And when we feel the ground literally shaking beneath our feet, God will provide us with exactly the things that all of us need to overcome. First thing he provides us, he provides us security. Our text states, verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Can you think of anyone you would rather have as your helper than the God who created this universe? I'm talking about the God who is higher than the hills, mightier than the mountains, above all the armies, and greater than all the generals. I'm talking about the God who created this world with a word, and one day will cremate this world with a whisper. I'm talking about the God of whom we are told in Proverbs 26.10 that he is the great God who formed all things. 
I'm talking about the God of whom Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32, 17 said, Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You see, the God who created this world controls this world and can do anything in this world, through this world, for this world, or with this world that he chooses to do. Psalm 115, 3 states, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Listen, God is our help in time of trouble. God is our hope in time of tragedy. If we only realized how powerful our great God is, when we come to those times when God is the only help we have, we would realize that God is the only help we need. A powerful, great God. For example, just take a single bolt of lightning. Do you know that the lightning flash that you see is caused by a lightning bolt heating the air molecules in its path? It heats them to 30,000 degrees Celsius, five times the temperature of the sun's surface. That bolt is only two inches across. You can only see it for three one-hundredths, one-millionths of a second. There can be up to 40 bolts in the same channel of lightning. Now, I want you to think about the power of a single lightning bolt. It may be up to a billion volts and a thousand billion kilowatts of power. Now, normal house current is either 110 or 220 volts, and the amount of power used by one household is about a thousand kilowatts per month. So in other words, if we could harness the power of a single lightning bolt, we could supply enough power for one billion homes for one month. Now you add that to the fact that approximately 2,000 thunderstorms are frequently happening around the world at any given time. And a typical storm has one to three lightning flashes per minute. And yet I tell you that a bolt of lightning that can gouge out a crater destroy a forest, shake the earth, and vaporize a human being could not even raise a solitary goosebump on the little finger of God. It is that powerful, great, wonderful God who the Bible says is a very present help in time of trouble. The second thing that God provides us is stability. Verse 3 states, he will not allow your foot to be moved. Every now and then, the adversaries of life may land an uppercut on your face. You may stagger, but you will not fall because it is God who will not allow your foot to be moved. The word to be moved literally means to slip. And there is a wonderful promise found in Proverbs 3, 25 to 26, which states, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, 
nor trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Listen. The feet that are standing on solid on the solid rock of ages can neither slip nor stumble. While others are falling like flies, the man of God stands for God and will not fall and will not fail. The third thing God provides is serenity. Verse 3 and 4 states, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You parents know that no parent can watch their children 24 hours a day. But God does. You have heard that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Well, you're never out of his sight, and you are never off God's mind. You see, God is on watch 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 100 years a century, 10 centuries a millennium. And the reason why you should be able to sleep at night is because he doesn't. When David was being pursued by his own son and there was a wanted dead poster on David and he was to be shot on sight, he said in Psalm 48, 48, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And then consider the second truth. The Lord is our protector. He protects us as our shield and protects us as our shade. The Lord is your keeper. Several times in these verses we read the word keep. In fact, this word is used six different times in this one psalm. And it literally means to protect or to guard. So not only is the Lord our provider, but our Lord is our protector. First, he is our shield. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. We are told specifically that the Lord stands at our right hand. Now, why the right hand? In ancient days, a soldier had two primary weapons. He had a shield and he had a sword. But his most valued weapon was the shield because that was his only defense. And the shield usually was held in the left hand. So the most vulnerable part of a soldier was his right side. And that is exactly where God always stands, at our most vulnerable point. The Lord always puts his strength at our greatest point of weakness. He deliberately takes up a position so he can defend us no matter where an attack may come from. It may come from a definite foe like Haman and Esther. It may come from a deceitful friend like Judas. But regardless of where it comes from, we are promised that the Lord is our shield. Psalm 1830 says, He is a shield to all who trust in him. And secondly, he is our shade. Again, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. You know, the trials that we go through often are fiery trials. And Peter explicitly warns us in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, 
as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised. They're going to happen. It's guaranteed. Many of you, if not most of you know, sometimes it gets hot in the kitchen of life. But God never puts you in a kitchen where you cannot stand the heat. You see, God is our shade. He protects us from the burning heat and the blinding light of a fiery trial. And then verse 6 goes on to tell us, The sun shall not smite you by the day, nor the moon by night. That simply means, in both daytime and dark, God protects us. There is no need to sweat, shiver, or shake. God will take care of his own. Let me share a true story. Paul Harvey told a remarkably fascinating true story from World War II about a B-29 bomber that took off from the island of Guam for Kukura, Japan, on a bombing mission. When it got to its primary target, it circled above a gigantic cloud that covered the target for about a half an hour. And then for another three quarters of an hour. And then for 55 minutes more. Well, the gas supply on the plane began to dwindle to a dangerous point. And they didn't want to pass up the primary target, but they had no choice. So with one more look back, they headed to their secondary target where they unleashed this terrible bomb. Weeks later, an officer received information from military intelligence that just sent chills down his spine. Thousands of Allied prisoners of war, the biggest concentration of Americans in enemy hands, had been moved to Kokura a week before the suspended bombing. Turns out, that city which they were to bomb was a prison camp. Had they bombed it, thousands of Americans would have died, except for that single solitary cloud that shaded both the sun and the plane from its target. What is even more fascinating is this. This date, October, August the 9th, 1945, was when the secondary target was selected, and the secondary target was Nagasaki. And the missile was the world's second atomic bomb. That ended the war a week later on August 15, 1945. God's in control. Amen? I tell you that Satan and his world seek to drop their fiery bombs of doubt, discouragement, depression, despair, and disappointment upon the people of God. But God is our shade, and God is our shield. And we are promised God's wonderful protection. Third truth to consider is the Lord is our preserver. He preserves us from evil, and he preserves us for all eternity. Our text, verses 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. 
God does more than just protects us. He preserves us, and we need him to do both. You see, protection is not the same thing as preservation. First, he preserves us from all evil. Our text, verse 7, states, again, The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Now, the word evil here in the Hebrew language does not refer to the evil that is done to us. It rather refers to the evil that is done by us. God promises that if we will follow him, love him, serve him, and obey him and accept his son, he will not lead us into temptation, but he will deliver us from evil. Second thing he also preserves us for is for all eternity. Again, verses 7 and 8. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Listen, this is one of the few of the greatest one-sentence statements of eternal security that is found in the Word of God. From the very moment that a person is saved and born into the kingdom of God throughout all eternity, God promises to preserve and protect his soul. You know that there are some people who think that we're not eternally safe until we get to heaven. They get this idea that after we are saved, we get into a race with the devil. We're running to heaven with the devil on our coattail, trying as best as he can to catch us and drag us back into hell. And they think, that when we die, we are somehow going to rush into heaven, slam the door, lock it, swallow the key, wipe our brow and go, I made it. I can never fall from grace now. Well, I've got good news. I've got some news for you. Those of you who think you can lose your salvation and fall from grace and think that you're not totally secure until you get to heaven, remember Originally, the devil fell from heaven. If you're not secure down here, you won't be secure up there. And somebody says, what about those times when I am not faithful to God? Let me give you some good news. If you are born again and a child of God, even when you are not faithful to God, he is always Faithful to you. It is his faithfulness that matters. Heard about a fellow who was talking to a football star. He said, how are you getting along with your girlfriend? The football star glumly replied, terrible. She told me last night she was going to be faithful to the end. The friend said, well, that's great. What's wrong with that? And he said, because I'm the quarterback. They didn't get it the first service either. The end plays on the far right of the line of scrimmage. It's another position. Can't crack jokes if you've got to explain them. <laughs> oh, well, I can always say if I had a bigger audience, maybe somebody would catch it. Maybe not. But let's get back to the sermon here. So I want to tell you this morning 
I want to tell you that our God will not only be faithful to the end, he will be faithful beyond the end. And when you feel as if you are at the end of your rope, when you've come to the dead end in the journey, where you cannot take another step, remember who your hope is and remember where your help is. I want to tell you today, God has wrapped us in his grace and his love. When friends abandon you, remember God is your provider. When foes attack you, remember God is your protector. And when fear assails you, remember God is your preserver. Amen? Amen. Service is over. And as we go out into the world, remember that we serve and worship the one true God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God promises that he will provide, protect, and preserve us and our souls forevermore. What more do we need? Amen?